Well, I want to start today by telling you a couple of true stories. People are hard to please. And, uh, and these are true stories. There was a man a number of years ago who robbed a Wendy's in Atlanta. Well, he was so put off by his skimpy haul that when he got home, he actually called the restaurant twice to tell of his disapproval of what he got. True story. Well, what's even funnier is what police tell about a guy named Arthur Bundridge in New York. He'd actually gone to the bank to rob them and went to the teller and demanded $20,000. Well, when Bundridge got home, to his dismay, he was shortchanged. And he was really upset about this. So he marched back down to the bank, walked in, and, and wanted to complain about their service. True fact. He was then arrested. <laughs> like, honestly, this is true, I tell you. At the same time, people can be easily offended. You know, you can get excited for a vacation and you're wanting to travel and you put a lot of money into it. And so these are actually comments that people wrote back to their travel agents when they got back from some of their excursions. This person said, on my holiday to India, I was disgusted to find that almost every restaurant served curry. I hate spicy food. <laughs> wow. A little bit of research would have been good. <laughs> So a guest at a Novotel in Australia, on a, in Australia complained that his soup was way too thick. Turns out he was inadvertently eating gravy. Yeah, he had to write to tell her about it. Following a trip to a national theme park, one angry woman complained that the sun was so hot it melted her ice cream. Right? And how about this one? An air traveler voiced her disapproval of all the clouds in the sky, saying that they ruined her children's game of I spy. Right? The truth is, it's very easy for all of us to sit in sometimes those places of complaining or negativity. Sometimes, in fact, it comes all too naturally for us. We have the ability to see the worst in something and to pick up on the negative or the heaviness of things that are going on around us. Sometimes we can see it on social media. We read people's complaints and their negative reviews, and then we take that on, and, and we allow their experiences to give some information to us. And then we base stuff, whether we judge people or a situation or a product, based on other people's comments. And sometimes that negativity really can have an effect on us. It's a posture that you and I can take in our lives, and sometimes we are not even aware of how we participate in our own negative outlook or perspectives. In fact, it, create a, it can create a false narrative and one that often isn't in line with God's goodness, love, or even his perspectives. There are many ways that you and I are called to grow in our faith. And we're going to, we've been going through this series called Resilient Faith. And in these weeks, we're going to continue to look at uh, what resilient faith is all about. But today, we're going to look at resilient thanksgiving through the life of Daniel. And while we can't go through Daniel's entire life, I'd encourage you to actually read up on him, learn a little bit about his character, some of the stories that he's involved in, his leadership, and most certainly his posture of obedience and gratitude. And we're probably most familiar with the story of Daniel in the lion's den. It's probably the one that, that we have heard the most in our lives, and we're going to look at a little bit of that this morning, but what transpired led him into that position. So we've spoken about resiliency and the ability to move through difficult situations. Resiliency isn't this bouncing back, but it's finding the tenacity within ourselves to process and to work through difficult situations in our lives. It's the balance of depending on God 
and others. And we're called to do this, not in isolation, but with one another as we journey life together. So we're going to take a moment to read from Daniel this morning about his life. And to set that up, I'm just going to share with you a little bit about what's happening. So King Darius is the ruler over Babylon, and he's chosen to appoint a whole bunch of men to help him govern and lead the land. And Daniel was one of these men. In fact, Daniel was his favorite. Daniel stood out head above everybody else. He was like that star leader. And King Darius put him in charge of all of the other men. Well, those men were jealous. In fact, they were really upset and they didn't like Daniel and they didn't want him in charge. So they made it their mission to destroy Daniel. They wanted to devise a plan to get rid of him. And so verse 4 and 5 say this. The vice regents and governors got together to find some old scandal or skeleton in Daniel's life that they could use against him. But they couldn't dig up anything. He was totally exemplary and trustworthy. They could find no evidence of negligent or misconduct. So they finally gave up and said, we're never going to find anything against this Daniel unless we scheme up something religious. See, these men had been observing Daniel. They saw his character, and we're going to learn a little bit about that this morning. And so that's what they did. They devised a plan based on some religious perspective that they observed in Daniel and the consistency in his life. And verse 7 says this. They went back to the king and they said, For the next 30 days, no one is to pray to any god or mortal except you, O king. Anyone who disobeys should be thrown into the lion's den. Well, issue this decree, O king, and make it unconditional so it can't be changed. Well, King Darius thought this was great, and he signed the decree. When Daniel learned that the decree had been signed and posted, he continued to pray just as he had always done. His house had windows in the upstairs that opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day, he opened the windows. He knelt there in prayer and giving thanksgiving and praising his God. Perfect. You see, these men went to King Darius, and they stroked his ego, And they manipulated their plan and said, hey, king, nobody should pray to anybody except you. And King Darius was like, oh, this is good. Yeah, yeah, I like this. And so he said, go for it. Let's put this in place. And these men were so excited because they knew if Daniel was really who he was, this was going to solidify his demise and he would end up being thrown into the den of lions. Let me ask, have you ever been in a place in your life where people are hating on you? It's a very uncomfortable, difficult situation to be in. It's unnerving, and it is emotionally taxing on all of us. In fact, it's anxiety-producing, and to be honest, it's hard for us to find any good in a situation where you feel that people are hating on you or making life difficult for you. This is where perspective is essential. Gratitude can speak to those areas of anxiousness in our lives and bring a sense of grounding as we choose to refocus on what matters most, not the negative that we have absolutely no control over. You see, Daniel heard the new decree and he fully understood the cost of what it would mean if he continued to pray. Now, this wasn't the first time in Daniel's life that his, faith, that his life had been in danger for his faith. But his life shows consistency time and time again. Each day, he made time to connect with God, to give thanks, and to pray. So when the trials of life showed up, Daniel did not waver in his consistency. 
In fact, he didn't come to God scrambling and panicked and desperate. No, he came to God each and every day, just like he did every other time, faithfully. And in turn, God showed up for him faithfully. You see, Daniel understood that the new law was going to cost him his life. And rather than complain or make a scene and revolt, probably freak out like I would do, (laughs) he took another posture. And he continued with what he had always done. He went upstairs, he opened the window, and he prayed three times a day and gave thanks. He didn't decide to hide in his room or open the closet door instead and hide in there. He didn't run to Darius and say, this is so unfair. Are you kidding me? He didn't cower, and he most certainly didn't make excuses. Sure enough, there was Daniel. The men were waiting and watching his window. And without fail, the window opens, and there is Daniel, praying, giving thanks, and talking to God. Well, these men were so excited. They ran to Darius and they said, we got him, we got him. Daniel, Daniel, he's out there praying. He's praying to his God. He's not praying to you. This news for Darius was devastating because he valued and respected Daniel so much. He was so torn and he knew instantly that there was no way he could revert what had already been put in place. It was inevitable. He had no ability to change the law. Daniel would have to be thrown into the lion's den. You see, Daniel knew the power of prayer, but he also knew the power of thanksgiving. When we display gratitude in our lives, it actually changes us. It helps to give us the ability to to find resilience to walk through the situations in our lives. Researchers over the years have been studying thanksgiving and gratitude and have noted its impact on one's mental health. Dr. Kristen Francis is a psychiatrist at Huntsman Mental Health Institute in the United States, and she says this, expressing gratitude can positively change your brain. It boosts dopamine and serotonin, the neurotransmitters the brain in the brain that improve your mood immediately giving you those positive feelings of pleasure, happiness, and well-being. Daniel knew that thanksgiving made a difference. Studies have found that giving thanks and counting blessings, blessings can help people sleep better, lower stress, and improve interpersonal relationships. And get this, this is the best one. It's also one of the body's natural ways of fighting depression. It is so easy for you and I to sit in negativity, to sit in places that are sometimes challenging without allowing ourselves the space to find something positive or affirmative or good in the midst of our difficulties or our challenges. But God is saying, give thanks and something will begin to change within you. Now, it appears that those men around Daniel didn't know that news. And they allowed their jealousy and complaining to dictate their actions. Their selfish, negative perspectives would eventually cost those men their lives. They just didn't know it yet. I love how Brene Brown puts it, and many of you have heard of her, a known psychologist and researcher on shame and resiliency. She says this, We learn that the most effective way to cultivate joy in our lives is to practice gratitude. The key word here is practice. It's not just about feeling grateful, but it's about developing an observable practice. 
So often we think that joy makes us grateful, when in reality, it's gratitude that brings joy. Let me read that again. So often we think that it's joy that makes us grateful, when in reality, it is gratitude that brings us joy. Daniel was on to something. He had a practice in his life, a practice of gratitude. Three times a day, he'd pause to pray, to give thanks, and talk to God. This habit was literally ingrained into his life. So you and I need to foster an attitude of gratitude. I love that little catchy saying. We need to learn what it means to have an attitude of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks to God in all circumstances. In other words, in everything that we go through in life, find something to have gratitude for. You know, I'm going to be the first to admit that this is not easy. I've been in some pretty difficult situations, and the first thing that comes out of my mouth is not, oh, this is so awesome. I'm so excited to be going through this. Wow, this, this challenging situation is so, like, amazing. <laughs> That's not the first words that come out of my mouth when I face hardships or when something transpires in my life that has knocked the wind out of me and taken me out at the knees. Nope, pretty sure it's the complete opposite. I will grumble, I will complain, I will like, to find the negative in it, and I can sit there for a while. You know, and I'm going to tell you this, a few weeks ago, I found, we found ourselves in a really heartbreaking situation, and it was very easy to sit in the pain of it all, but in those moments, I actually made a choice, and I started to speak life, and I purposely chose a different posture in the midst of a situation that I couldn't believe I was in. I started stating what I knew to be true, what I knew were facts, and what was good, even in the midst of my heartache. I deliberately chose to see what was good in the midst of my brokenness. It's not easy because we get hurt, things happen, and it's easy to sit in the negative and the despair and, and the chaos. It's deliberate when we choose to find something good in the heartache. Now please understand, doing that is not about avoiding reality or negating the difficulty you're facing. It is not about being ignorant, but it is about creating a posture that says, even in the pain, even in the darkness, I choose to trust. I choose to see that there is something of worth here, because if I don't, this will swallow me whole. It's about inviting a God perspective into your experience. Let me say that again. It's about choosing to invite a God perspective into your experience. Some of you may be familiar with Corrie Ten Boom and have maybe even read her book, The Hiding Place. In there, she tells a story of her and her sister, Betsy. Both were prisoners in a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. Her and her family had been hiding Jews and were captured. And when they were taken, somehow they managed to keep a small little tattered Bible with them. And each day, they would read, pray, and give thanks. Hmm, sounds a little familiar. You see, their barracks were infested with fleas, and their legs and bodies were covered in bites. And it made what was already difficult and challenging that much more difficult. Betsy often prayed aloud and gave thanks. 
And then one day, she started giving thanks to God for the fleas. Well, this irritated Corey. Why on earth would I give thanks to God for fleas? But eventually, her negative perspective began to change, and she too began to give give thanks to God for the fleas. You see, those fleas actually kept them safe. The infestation in their barracks were so bad that the soldiers refused to enter and always stayed away. Those fleas protected them from being abused and molested by those soldiers. Even though these circumstances were absolutely horrific, they still found a way to find gratitude in the most unlikeliest of situations. And they were able to bring hope to the other women that were there in that room with them. And together, they literally learned how to give thanks in all circumstances. It's a perspective. It's deliberate choice. You see, sometimes blessings come out of our hardship and our adversity. We don't always see it at first. In fact, sometimes we don't even want to see it. But when we pray and when we pause to find the good and when we open ourselves to a posture of gratitude, it can often bring another dimension to that hardship in a way that helps us get through, that helps us to find resiliency. We all need a bit of resilient thanksgiving in our lives. None of us are precluded from this. So, what are some of the fleas in your life today? What are some of those challenges that are maybe making it hard for you to actually find gratitude in the midst of? I want you to think about that today. What are some things that maybe you're choosing, maybe even unknowingly, to sit in the negative or the despair of something, rather than asking for a God perspective to see something positive in the challenges and difficulties you're facing? Julia Charleston, in regards to this story about Corey, she says, unthankfulness leads to pointless thinking. It takes practice to be thankful in spite of our trials or fleas. We must be intentional to cultivate, to nourish and fertilize, and practice thanksgiving. Daniel remained faithful, even though he knew it would come at a cost. He had already created a rhythm of thanksgiving, So when hardships came, he wasn't scrambling to God, he wasn't flustered, but he kept doing what he had always been doing, praying to God, giving thanks, and being consistent. You know, when life becomes complacent, you and I can tend to drift. It's natural to let habits and routines just kind of fall by the wayside. And I know during the pandemic, for many of us, our schedules shifted, we found different rhythms, and, and, and most likely a lot of our daily routines that we had been familiar with changed. Now, some of those changes may have actually been really good for us, but I'd venture to say there were also a lot of rhythms and patterns and things that we, we took on that maybe weren't the healthiest for us. You see, Daniel in his situation was consistent. He didn't allow the disruptions around him to take his focus off the very thing that mattered most, his time with God. At the same time, in the midst of an unwelcome situation, we see God's faithfulness to Daniel. God knew what Daniel needed. 
He knew what Daniel was struggling with, and he showed up to protect Daniel and to use the situation to actually allow Daniel's testimony to point back to the goodness of God. Annette Bridges says this, gratitude helps us to see what is there instead of what isn't. It's very easy for us to create narratives that aren't based in fact. Gratitude helps us root ourselves in what is true, what is factual, and maybe have a God perspective on a situation that can be difficult or challenging. Some of you may be familiar with Diana Butler-Bass. She's written a number of books and is is a researcher on uh, Christian history, especially in the United States. But she wrote a book called Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks. And she said, writing this book changed my life in surprising ways, especially in regard to the spiritual practices that have become important to me. I discovered that even in difficult times, gratitude can still frame our days, making us stronger and more able to face personal challenges and work on behalf of the common good. Bass goes on to share that you and I need an awareness of gratitude in our lives, And she says, the struggle is real. I often feel the tension between knowing gratitude is good and finding myself unable to feel deeply thankful or practice gratefulness on a regular basis. I long to be the sort of person who lives appreciatively, but I often fall short of that desire. And to be honest, I wonder how many of us can relate to this to the struggle of wanting to be grateful, but gratitude maybe doesn't come so easily. This is a real tension for all of us. This is why it's part of a spiritual discipline in our lives to foster an attitude of gratitude, a posture of finding the good even amongst the difficult. Robert Emmons is a leading researcher in gratitude, and he's been doing this for over 20 years and is a professor at the University of California. He's written a number of books on gratitude and thankfulness. And and in his book, Thanks, he says this. And he wrote this about halfway through his career, so 11 years ago. He says, despite the fact that I've been studying gratitude for 11 years and know all about it, I still find that I have to put a lot of conscious effort into practicing gratitude. In fact, my wife says, how is it that you're supposed to be this huge expert on gratitude, yet you're the least grateful person I know? (laughs) Well, she has a point, because it's easy to lapse into the negativity of mindset. You know, leave it up to a wife, to be honest. (laughs) The point is, all of us struggle with finding those places of gratitude. And it's not easy, and it doesn't always come naturally for us. It's a choice. It's a deliberate choice to choose to find gratitude in the midst of our situations. You see, there was nothing King Darius could do to revert the law. It had been set in stone. So Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And it troubled Darius. Verse 14 says, When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was, de- he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. And then the moment came. Daniel was thrown into the den of lions. And King Darius yells down to him, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. 
See, even in this moment, King Darius was able to recognize that the consistency in Daniel's life had purpose, that the consistency in Daniel's life mattered. Even King Darius in this moment called out to Daniel and said, may your consistency in the God that you serve, may he rescue you. And that's exactly what happened. God sent an angel and kept the mouths of the lions shut. Daniel's life was spared. And I'm pretty sure this took Daniel's thanksgiving to a whole new level of gratitude. (laughs) Right? I would be like, yeah, my God showed up. This is awesome. You see, you and I will face days, weeks, or even months where things are going to go terribly wrong. Maybe the breakup of a marriage, the loss of a job, the diagnosis of an unwelcome illness, the falling out of a relationship, or some very personal or financial loss. Life is unpredictable, and it can be easy for us to get caught up in the negative emotions of what we're walking through. Yet when we can learn to take time to cultivate a posture of gratitude in our lives, the ability to see something good in the hard, we find the ability to be resilient and to work through that challenge. I look at it this way. It's kind of like a hidden superpower. We all want to be superheroes. Gratitude is the key to resilience. And this lies within each of us. We have the ability to invest into an attitude, into a rhythm and a practice of gratitude, because gratitude is the key to resilience. When we remain consistent and work to find gratitude, you and I have the ability to rise above it and to work through it. It speaks volumes about us, our character, and our faith. But please hear me. Gratitude practices are not intended to minimize any hardships you have experienced or continue to experience in this moment. It is, however, meant to give us an added stamina to face those hardships with another perspective. And when we invite God into that gratitude, it really does make a difference. We need to exercise resilience in our lives And that requires action. So almost five years ago, our family was spending some time living in Mexico. And each night, we would gather on the bed as a family. Our kids were a bit smaller then. And we'd hang out. And we started talking. And we started doing something together as a family that was really meaningful. And to be honest, I wish that we had kept it up. We do it with some infrequency now. But I would love to get back to a place of doing this regularly. But we would gather on the bed. And and we would look at each other. And we would talk. And we would each take time to share one or two things that we were grateful for. And then we would share one thing that we were struggling with or being challenged with. And then we would share one thing that we were learning. And this was an amazing time for us just to to be present with one another, to share honesty with one another. And it kept us connected and learning. And it was a great practice that, that I wish we had continued consistently. But it was a time for us to meet with one another. And it also helped us to find perspective on things that we were journeying together as a family. Sometimes it's good to get out of our own head and listen to what other people have to say about gratitude, especially when you're walking similar situations. You see, Daniel had a practice in his life. His prayer and thanksgiving to God was foundational for him. His resilience and thanksgiving allowed him the ability to get through unthinkable situations. And God's faithfulness showed up and rescued him. 
In his greatest hour of need, he didn't waver. Now, I'm sure Daniel was scared. I'm sure he definitely felt betrayed by the men that he had been working with and was leading. And he was condemned to death by lions. That has to evoke a level of fear in one's life. But God showed up. Daniel's faithfulness was met with God's faithfulness. And God protected Daniel's life and used it as an opportunity to point people back to himself. So, how can you and I work to develop a posture and an attitude and a practice of gratitude in our lives? So I want to share a couple things with you this morning. Some of you have used this resource on our page. You're going to see this here. This is at 10th.ca slash UBC under our resources. I've posted two things here for you. One of them is Diana Battler's Bass Seven Days of Gratitude Journal. You can go on there. There's a direct link to it. I would love to encourage you to open it up, to have a look at it. Maybe start to apply some of these in your life. Maybe you don't know where to start in giving thanks. Well, her seven-day practice is going to help you give you space to pause and to think. And the other is is an article I found from Psychology Today. And it's actually a compilation of 13 of the top TED Talks in terms of gratitude and thankfulness. I haven't watched all of them, but I've watched a number of them. And, And I'd love to encourage you just to find some time in your life, just to watch a few of these videos and to understand the magnitude that you and I have within ourselves of what happens and what can change in our lives when we have a posture of gratitude. And so these are some resources that I'd love to leave with you. You can scan the QR code there if you want or find it online. The other is maybe, maybe you'd be interested in getting yourself a journal and starting a, a gratitude journal where you take time every day, maybe three to five minutes, and write down one or two things that you're grateful for. Something that you want to take a moment to pause and just say, hmm, I actually am grateful for this situation or this encounter that I had or this provision that came my way. Write down a reflection of it, how it made you feel. And when negativity presents itself, Choose to pause for a moment and ask if maybe there's another perspective. We need to learn to give thanks to God, praying for others who are part of those moments we encounter, asking for added grace to lay the negative thoughts aside and embrace a posture of thankfulness, an attitude of gratitude. Well, I hope you have your little piece of paper and pencil in front of you, or feel free to pull out your phone. But I actually want to give you some space this morning to do just that. I want to ask you in this moment to write maybe one or two things that you're grateful for. Maybe write how it made you feel. Maybe take a moment to just just pause. Think about something in your life. Maybe, maybe you've got a challenging situation right now, and it has been heavy and hard. Ask God to show you another perspective, another side of the difficulty. And I just want you to take a moment to write it down on your piece of paper. A posture of openness and gratitude. The ability to stop for a moment and find something good in the difficult. Sometimes this comes easily for us. But truth is, sometimes, sometimes, it's really hard. For me, I'm grateful for trained medical professionals who take the time to listen and to help. My latest interactions with some medical professionals have left me feeling heard, seen, and understood. 
And in the midst of some difficult things, man, I found gratitude for some professionals who have really made a difference. I sit in that this morning of gratitude. You know what? I'm grateful for some flowers I recently received from a friend. I got these flowers two weeks ago, and they're still on my kitchen counter. And they're beautiful. They're colorful and vibrant, and, and they remind me of joy and God's creative imagination. And receiving those flowers from my friend Shar, they made me feel loved. They made me feel appreciated, cared for, and encouraged. And I love that two weeks later, they're still sitting on my counter. See, gratitude begins to change our perspectives. I love how Shauna Nyquist puts it. She's one of my favorite authors. She says, when life is sweet, say thank you and celebrate. And when life is bitter, say thank you and grow. Daniel shows us what a life of resilient Thanksgiving can look like, especially in the face of hardship. And my prayer is this week, as, as you and I began to have our lives changed by the simple act of finding gratitude in the midst of it all, that we can have things change, little by little, day by day. A little gratitude has the power to go a long way when we look at it through the eyes of faith and God's goodness to us. It's about choosing to invite a God perspective into our experience through gratitude and thanksgiving. Maybe today is the day we start to find the pause in the rhythm of our life, to take a moment and to find gratitude and to allow it to change us from the inside out, to build a resilient faith of thanksgiving and gratitude to God in all circumstances and situations. And that's my prayer for us this morning. Thank you.